I'm walking all alone down my yellow brick road and I stomp to the beat of my own drum. Welcome to Stacked Keys Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Stackhouse, a podcast to feature women who are impressive in the work world or in raising a family or who have hobbies that can make us all be encouraged, want to hear what makes these women passionate and get up in the morning or what they wish that they'd known earlier in life. Grab your keys and stomp to your own drum. morning I'm really excited I cannot wait to introduce listeners to Natasha Poyasos welcome so glad hey, to have thank you. you so glad to have you and thank Natasha you. I, I you lead uh, an interesting life and go and travel in interesting places let's jump right in and tell me who you might describe yourself as both personally and professionally um, well, considering that I am a licensed massage therapist, it kind of blends into both personal and professional. Um, I, I come as my most authentic self in my professional uh, life because I fully believe that it's nice to be able to connect with your therapist. So whether I'm having... Um, a stressful morning and I come in, my first client can see that in my face because I, I do not have a poker face for my emotions. I'll let them know, listen, I'm going to take five minutes to myself to, or it's usually less, but I'm going to take a second to myself. Um, I'm having a rough morning. Feel free to relax and get yourself ready on the table. Um, let me know if there's anything that you need. And Truthfully, for the last now half a decade, <laughs> um, it's worked out wonderfully for me. Um, I know for me, uh, doing massage work is a very personal thing when I receive it. So I imagine that it is for other people. It's a very vulnerable space to be in, um, whether someone is fully clothed or not and underneath the sheet. Um, so at a very personal level in my life, um, I have a partner named Charles Harriet and a cat named Luna Coyasos. <laughs> um, she kind of came with the package when we started dating. So, <laughs> um, And uh, my home base is Gainesville, Florida. I uh, live, have lived in Florida the majority of my life. I was born in New York. I come from two parents that were immigrants who turned into citizens of the United States. So my dad, Oscar, he's from um, Colombia. And my mom, Delsa, is from Dominican Republic. They met in Manhattan, um, New York. And that's where I was, I believe, conceived, but definitely born in. Um, the culture of New York uh, is something that I didn't get to grow up living there, but the way my parents learned English is the way I speak 
now. So those in the South tend to wonder where I'm from. Um, uh, and those in Florida and itself tend to wonder where I'm from. Um, I also lived in Texas for a brief moment in my life. That's where my younger sibling, Steph, was born. And we grew up in South Florida for the majority of our lives. Um, my sibling is also a massage therapist. They're five years younger than me. And we're actually recently, right before I left to this Europe trip um, in July, Steph and I agreed to end up uh, renting out my office together. So now I get to have someone to kind of cohabitat, cohabitat? Something like cohabitate. that. <laughs> um, cohabitate, thanks. Uh, cohabitate uh, that office. And so it's been nice of like from having a, something of my own to now share with another person, kind of like the same thing with my home. Um, right before quarantine, that home was mine and my cats for a long time. And then my partner and I slowly were spending more and more time together and decided that um, that uh, apartment. I've been in Europe for almost a month and a half, so it's, I was going to say flat, <laughs> that flat, uh, the apartment um, ended up becoming ours together. Um, let's see, professionally and personally, I love to travel all over the world. Um, in the last month and a half, uh, my partner and I have been in Iceland, um, Netherlands, all parts of Netherlands, um, throughout, like, literally from, like, East, south, west, like like a U, all of Germany. We, our last stop was in Berlin. We flew to Amsterdam and back. So we're back now in Netherlands. And we don't know exactly how we're getting to Spain. We're debating whether we're going to fly from Germany, fly from Netherlands, or take a train to Paris and then a train to Barcelona. Oh, wow. <laughs> so our life is a little crazy, but we love it. Um, he teaches jujitsu. I do jujitsu. I've been able to assist on a lot of the seminars. So that's been really great to the point where, um, I don't know, it's been influencing the way I teach Thai massage and do Thai massage um, for the last year and change because my jujitsu actually started right before quarantine happened in 2020. And the majority of my Jiu-Jitsu um, journey has been through this pandemic. So it's been an interesting journey to like, um, also like, let's see, I think literally the day that Florida announced quarantine, my LLC came in. So I was an escort before and then my LLC came right the day of quarantine started. Oh, so wow. like having that as the start of my business was quite a journey. But truthfully, I've been really blessed. Um, I didn't see a lot of my clients for a few months, but as soon as phase one opened and licensed massage therapists were given the go, I called everyone up. I messaged everyone and my books were filled. So, so filled that I was not eligible for a grant <laughs> Great. Um, for like independent workers. Well, yeah. let, me, let me stop you and let's go down some of these roads um, because I'm fascinated that um, you've been traveling and, and going uh, this, this lifestyle right here at the, 
the tail end or or whatever part we're at in the pandemic and so we don't even know <laughs> yeah and so you've got so much stress that can be involved in what was at one time in life easy to hop and do and know that everything was available and, and go so that involves a great deal of planning and stress and you could just throw your hands up and if he's the one doing the seminars you could go I i'm going back home and and staying in my safe oh, no. place so <laughs> take me down that road um so truthfully out of the two of us i've been the one that's been less worried about this pandemic um to the extent where like in the beginning of this journey with the pandemic last year, it was more of like, let's stay at home. Um, but I still worked on like one or two clients that were more chronic. Um, and so on his end, he made sure to really not really see anyone because our priority were, were my, were my clients. So we wanted to make sure like, um, as our family likes to say, keep quiet, you know, right. you know, um, stay still, don't move too much, don't see too many people. So we would train at home. We had a mat that was six by nine feet. Um, we would train in the living room or like part of the bedroom because um, we don't have like a crazy amount of furniture or put it in the courtyard uh, outside with like some sheets on the ground um, and then the mat. And um, I would be the one who would say, let's go find a road trip. And he's like, Natasha. We can't see too many people. I'm like, I understand, but I'm, we're getting tested every two weeks. And if we get a positive, then, you know, we just send a whole bunch of messages to anyone that we might've seen, be careful. Um, so we were, we were always careful with family, with friends, with strangers. Um, but then I think at one point last summer, one of my clients, while we were away in North Carolina, um, she messaged me saying, that uh, she got virus and um, instantly we did the math like, okay, I haven't seen you and I've been tested. I'm negative. I'm good. I'm going to keep an eye on. And that specific person, all they did in their lives at that point was go home, see me and go to the grocery store. And considering that I wasn't the one who gave it to them, the only other option was it must've been from the grocery store and like, it was just one of those moments where it's like, oh, you really can't hide from this. You really right. can't, like, you don't know how you're going to get this thing. Right. So sure enough, we kept getting tested every two weeks. And then um, our anniversary is November 2nd. Um, and so we, like, I think maybe two or three weeks before our anniversary, I said, what are we going to do for our anniversary this year? Because with this thing going on, like, I don't know what's going to happen. He said, don't worry, I have some things planned out. And I said to him, you know, honestly, even if we're just laying in bed, watching TV all day, as long as I'm with you, it'll be fine. Well, sure as shit, um, he tested positive days oh. before our anniversary. <laughs> I immediately ended up messaging everyone so that he, thankfully, no one got sick. Um, and we immediately, because like I said, we got tested every two weeks. So we had tested that Wednesday. A fever hit him Thursday night. Friday morning, we tested again. And while we were testing Friday morning, his Wednesday's results came in saying positive and mine saying negative. 
So it took about 10 days for my viral load to kick in. And the way we found out was he gave me peanut butter. Like I took a nap, he gave me peanut butter and I was like, oh, what is this? And he's like, peanut butter, you silly, you love peanut butter. I'm like, I don't know what that is, but it must be expired. And then he gave me a cookie, an Oreo cookie. And I was like, oh, I can't taste this. Oh, no. I started like getting nervous, yeah. but that was the only symptom I had. And so then he gives me mango sherbet and he goes, here, you like mango? And he gives it to me and I go, all I can taste is cold. And I just started crying. Oh. And so the only things I could taste for a while there was salt and spicy things. And we learned about texture and that I can't eat in the dark. And I definitely can't eat with my eyes closed. So about, it took about two weeks for my taste buds to slowly start coming back. Um, we were in quarantine for almost four weeks. Um, but at that point after that, it was like, well, I've got antibodies. You've got antibodies. We keep testing. In order to make this specific trip happen, though, because um, throughout 2021, we've been traveling more. So we went to St. Bart's. We've, gotten, we've been traveling a lot with um, the uh, BJJ Globe Charters camps. So I teach Thai massage at those and do massage work and um, Thai yoga. Um, so Thai massage and Thai yoga are pretty much the same thing. It's just a matter of how you choose to communicate about it and what your license is. Um, and then he teaches jujitsu at the camps. So when, with your question about, you know, him doing the seminars and me staying back, the funny part is that, so Iceland, we were supposed to go last year. And so this year we made sure we we're going to make it happen. And when getting prepared for Iceland, um, I'm going to take a step back for a moment. So we did the globe charters camps. We've also done some of our own trips and I took him to Colombia to go visit my family. And so considering all the different types of risk between the pandemic and personal clients and then his students and then um, in Colombia, we actually went right, not at the tail end, but like let's say two thirds in of um, the riots that were happening in Cali, which is where my family is specifically from, we were really blessed that a lot of that didn't affect us too much directly. We didn't actually see a lot of the riots or the protests right in front of us, which over there they call it a paro. Um, same, it's a word that means bad in English. Um, and I also had some cousins that were involved in all of that, like too. So part of the, like my generation who was trying to make sure to make a change in their country. Um, so being able to do all of that, we decided, okay, we're definitely going to do Iceland. Um, when getting prepared for Iceland, I was looking at the next camp, which was Heidelberg, Germany. And I said, well, Charles, you know, you miss your friends in Germany and in Europe. We haven't seen them obviously because of this crazy pandemic. Why don't we go to Iceland, take a week of figuring out what we want to do before we get there. And then go to Heidelberg and then I can work at both camps. And in the in-between, we can visit friends. You can do seminars. I can help you teach. Uh, maybe I can even work on some people. Maybe I could teach some Thai massage. And so that led to at least a three-week um, trip. And then from there, I said, well, Charles, I don't need to be back until August 20th for a class. Specifically August 21st, but I always say a day earlier. <laughs> and um, Yeah. So then uh, 
she's like, what do you mean? What about your clients? I'm like, my clients would be fine. Um, they didn't, we didn't see each other for a while before. And I trust that when I get back, everything will, you know, go back into flow. And those who want to continue working with me will come. And those who maybe end up wanting to work with someone I referred to will stay there. Or maybe they switch back and forth. Like, I'm not worried about it. So a lot of these ideas um, tend to be the, the huge risk taker over here. <laughs> Sounds like it. Um, Why don't we do this? And, and so, then all of a sudden that's what he's doing. <laughs> and, but at the same time, it's definitely a team effort. Like it's him feeling comfortable doing it yeah. and me feeling comfortable doing it. He got his um, vaccine before we left. I got my blood tested to make sure my antibodies was still there. Throughout our travels, we've preferred doing trains and buses um, just because there's, if, at least in my mind, I don't know, it feels more, more airflow. Like the planes have been like sardines. We try not to get in there. And also it's an issue going from country to country because of the, the virus. So going through train, although it takes longer, we get some work done. So whether it's me journaling or um, us having like, our, our us time because we're constantly around so many people or um, trying to organize anything on based on social media because usually we're, we're very private um, but throughout this trip I wanted to like take as many photos and videos to kind of like inspire other people to feel like you don't need to be confined in this one box because although it's scary and I have lost people through this virus and I have had this virus, I don't think that fear should stop people from living. And that's just a personal like choice that I'm making for myself. I don't believe that it's right for me to stop living due to something that's scary because if that's the case, I wouldn't get in a car. I've been in many car accidents in my life and if I let fear take over, I, I would never hop on that. I've broken an ankle from riding my bicycle. I would have probably never ridden a bike 15 years later. Like all these different decisions make a difference. So yeah. I hope that answered your question. It, it does. <laughs> and it leads me into so much of your life is preparation. And so you've got these tools that you're able to use and both meet the needs of for yourself as you're growing and, and finding different activities to apply yourself to, but, but you're also showing others what's possible and out there. And as much as I've been uh, on the sidelines of MMA and jujitsu and just martial arts in general, because of my children, um, I, I did not know about um, Thai massage. And so I didn't, oh. so talk to me about that. That sounds really fascinating. Yeah. I love Thai massage. Honestly, it's one of my favorite modalities. Um, so because I've always loved to travel since I was a kid, my family has traveled here and there um, since I was a child. My, my, like my entire, like the, the nuclear family of stuff, my parents and I would go either to different states or go to more, like, my family definitely likes going more to different countries, so around the Caribbean and South America, like, that was something that was in the back of my mind of, like, whatever choice I, I 
I make within massage work, I want it to be with travel. So one of the first thoughts was like, oh, I could work in a cruise line and then started looking into a little bit of that and was like, nah, not for me. Um, but I have, a, I have a teacher and friend back home. Um, her name is Ariella and we call her like the Thai mama because she's the one who's been teaching us for years. I think, is it 15 years or 20 years? A long time. Um, and so Thai massage is working with Ayurvedic medicine and yoga positions. So it's working kind of like Chinese medicine has the meridian lines, Ayurvedic medicine that comes from India has meridian lines and marma points. So what that means is kind of like energy lines throughout the body that connect like literally everywhere throughout the body. And then marma points is like, this is a marma point in this area where like a lot of the energy kind of like um, connects to. Think of it like uh, a subway uh, road or subway transit where like when you look at them you have all these lines and then there's those circles of where all of them meet where you can right. stop at it's kind of like that on the body and so one of my reasons that I love the art is because people I can do this on the side of the road I can do this on someone's living room I can do this on a jiu-jitsu mat which tends to be the case a lot of times yeah. um, and the p- person is fully clothed um, and I get to work on mobility, flexibility, um, muscle tension, um, trying to think of all these different things, the emotional body as well. So meaning like if there's any, it's a matter of like, it's kind of like you get to learn how to palpate the muscles, but you also get to palp- learn how to be very still within yourself. Or I get to be really still within myself of kind of feeling like, is there anything else that this muscle is telling me? So sometimes I'll ask a question. Um, if like something's going on with their neck, I sometimes I'll ask like, are you, have you been able to, to be able to speak up um, more lately or been more quiet lately? Or if it's due to a specific injury, I ask like, what was the motion that you were doing when this happened? Or I'll specifically ask, hey, were you looking to your left when you ended up inverting and acted and like kind of fell? You know, um, the more I practice it, though, the more I get more sensitive to what could have been. Um, but I try not to play a story too much with it. I try to listen to what the other person has to say. Actually, time massage is the reason why I'm going back home on the 21st. I'm doing a double practitioner class with my friend Kayla. Um, and like we've been talking about this class for a few years now but because of the pandemic we didn't get to do it last year and so this year we've been trying to coordinate which day we're going to do it with um Ariella and the Thai gang so to speak like all the Thai babies from Gainesville Florida and anyone that tends to visit because we have people from all over that tend to come just for her um and she and I Ariella and I were actually able to be in contact a month ago when I first, yeah, right after Iceland, um, uh, I messaged her, like showing her the class that I was teaching. She's like, Oh my God, you're doing time massage away. I'm like, yes. And, um, that's been a blast for me. Um, so do you find anything else? Do you find that, um, that the, 
real, I'm sure I'm not saying this correctly, but the real um, manly jujitsu practitioners also really enjoy this path and that they can oh, like, do they like to receive there? Thai massage. Yeah. Yes. 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 So like from the most like masculine to the most feminine people there are, everyone has enjoyed my classes from what I've seen. And honestly, to the extent where like they start doing the sequence that I teach to other people that may or may not have taken my class. So I saw that a lot in Heidelberg when we were there recently. Um, I taught it. I like to teach in the beginning of the camp just so that like not thinking about that anymore. <laughs> I teach yeah. it in the very beginning and then the rest I can just enjoy and be present. Um, no matter how many times I teach it, I still get like that, that feeling of excitement and a little bit of nervousness. Um, but I've had like giant people, giant, giant people work on one another and, and love it because the thing is I get to also apply not just my hands and my upper body, but my entire body, um, to apply the pressure or there's a move that's called the otter, which later I can send you a picture of what it looks like, or even like a little clip of a video. Oh yes. Um, where you have the person laying flat down and their head is to one side or the other. Um, they're face down. So then my knees end up going on their glutes and my hands are kind of on their low back um, or even their upper back, but the low back has to be by the sacrum. So the very, very low back. And then my feet are flat and they start like snacking the back of the, the calves. So that's called the otter. And a lot of people tend to laugh about that one a lot. Oh, I bet. But I can um, see where it would really help and in, in the art. Mm -hmm. um, and so you take this and apply it. Um, my son had um, hip surgery and he would, had been in practicing yoga and he was able to, I believe, pinpoint more of the area of surgery and I just think his healing was much more rapid because he was so much more in tune to the separate oh, yeah. parts of his body and how to really focus and focus energy. And, and um, I, I saw a real difference. I mean, you can't compare situation to situation, but just um, how quickly he re rebounded and was back on the mat. I think it definitely had to play a part. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like one of the reasons why I enjoy doing time massage so much, especially throughout my travels and with these athletes is because there's so much body awareness that um, whether they get to learn how to do the sequences with other people or um, I get to do the sequence on them, it helps the fact that they're already, whether it's subconscious or consciously connected to their body. So there's a, there was a one point um, that I worked at a chiropractor's office and still traveled and had my private practice. And there I did a lot of preventative um, work. So preventing, for, uh, like doing massage work and doing time massage on the table that would prevent people from having knee surgery or um, even carpal tunnel because some people believe that it's coming from their 
carpals and the ulnar nerve that's right in here. But in reality, it's coming from the tension that's coming in their neck and or upper pec slash delt. So you have the cervical plexus here and the brachial plexus in this area. And so if the nerves get impinged in either one of these areas, it will refer all the way down. Same thing with the knees. Um, sometimes there's stuff going on with the muscles and the glutes and the low back that refer all the way to the knees. Mm -hmm. So it's just a matter of like following the chain or the ankle up um, with, with um, jiu-jitsu people. Like there's been times where I work on people's knees and I'm like, what happened exactly? Yeah. And so they'll let me know. And because I have a background in jujitsu, it actually helps me connect with these people more. Right. Um, and same thing with like working with other people who um, some people would say are like have higher awareness or some people will say awakened or some people will call hippies is like, it's a different type of communication with, um, their awareness with their body and their emotional self that I get to connect that with jujitsu. Um, yeah. I got to see that a lot in Heidelberg and that was exciting. Same thing with Iceland. That is exciting. You're seeing purpose to what you're doing, that it has an applicable purpose. Did you know when you started going down the massage road that, um, that, that, that could happen? Or were you having an awakening at the same time that, um, that there were so many possibilities and intricate pieces that work together? Um, I know that, uh, truthfully, honestly, yeah, I'd say more like awakened. It's more like I knew that I wanted to travel. I knew I wanted to make a difference. I knew I wanted to work with all age groups, all genders, all walks of life. Um, and I knew that I wanted to challenge myself and also connect with people more because the thing is like, there's so many ways to make a difference in this planet. So you can either like, I don't know, speak to a whole group at once or do it one-on-one. -on -one. And I tend to like the one-on-one -on -one more in my life. Um, I definitely tend to connect better. Like I get to know a person better that way and I get to know them in a different way than I think anyone else ever gets to, unless they do a similar line of work to me. Um, Cause the thing is like someone can speak about their, their life experience as much as they want, but someone being able to connect that with their muscles and joints and skeletal system, it just, it feels different. Um, I also knew that, let's see, my, within massage work, I kind of, I also knew that I wanted to be independent. I did not want to depend on anyone else. So as soon as I got my license, I, I believe I immediately, yes, as soon as I got my license, I immediately started doing house calls and from house calls, I also applied at a spa and quickly realized that the spa life was not for me <laughs> um, as like giving, maybe right. receiving every once in a while, but it's just not my home. And then from there, while being there, I ended up renting out a space and realized, oh yeah, I should probably have more clients before I rent out a space because I'm going to be losing more money this way. <laughs> um, but I got one 
gem out of that, um, of a client of mine to this day, we still see one another. And so it just, it was kind of like learning from each step, like how much do I charge? How much time do I actually spend in someone's house? Like I, I set up the table and I unset and I'm still talking and, you know, an hour massage is actually an hour and a half visit. So do I charge extra for that half hour? If so, how? Um, gas. Do I want to keep moving this, this uh, table around? Um, and then that led to me thinking, okay, you didn't like spa and you do like private sessions. So what's an in-between? And that's when I ended up applying to different chiropractor's offices in my town. One that was specifically walking distance from me. And that ended up being my home for a while while still visiting people's homes, making sure that it, there was no um, non-compete because that's a big thing for me is if I'm going to be working with someone, I need to make sure I'm not signing any contracts saying that I can't be independent. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and then that led to uh, me having some like, liberty to leave for a week or two sometimes three. And finally, in 2019, I, I kind of said, okay, between the influence of um, reflecting what I wanted for myself, like I wanted to travel more. And I still had a loyalty to this office. And I had just started renting out my own space. And I had enough clients to just work for myself. I think I kind of needed an extra push, because um, I was still comfortable. And so um, my partner and I had just started dating um, and he had asked me, he's like, so do you want to travel with me in December? And we started dating in November. He's like, do you want to come with me to Puerto Rico? I said, I'm sorry, I can't. I'm, my, my books are filled at the office. He was like, okay. When he was away, he was like, do you want to travel with me in December? I'm like, I'm sorry. I have a loyalty to the chiropractor's office. I can't leave in December. He's like, okay, what about New Year's? I'm like, okay, we'll do New Year's. And then like little things started like, it was like a ticking in the back of my head. It's like, you've been wanting to leave for a while and you've learned what you needed to learn from here. I think it's time to move forward. And so one of the other things was, he was like, so wait a second, you work at a chiropractor's office. Yes. And you travel. Yes. And you have your own office. Yes. You still work at the chiropractor's office. Yes. <laughs> and you can make more money on your own. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you needed that well, catalyst. I guess it must not be the money. <laughs> He's like, it must not be the money that keeps you there. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, it's the loyalty. You're like, a loyal. I didn't get paid horrible, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're loyal. But, you know, th that's interesting you have so many things that you've thought through, prepared for, and then you, you had to have that little catalyst to, to make you go and really find your heart's desire. So that's interesting yeah. that, um, have you always been that way? Have you, even as a child, did you make your list out and you check that box and then one day you did something a little more crazy? Is that kind of your pattern of who you are? Uh, I guess so, because <laughs> I'm good at journaling, like, um, I'm good at journaling what I want and like kind of taking a step further once it's in front of me. It's like, 
oh, I'd love to work for myself. Okay, how else would you like to work for yourself? Oh, or my favorite has been like, I love to be able to combine massage work with another niche. Yeah. And that was jujitsu. Because before jujitsu, I thought about um, capoeira. And that was only because I saw a group of people doing capoeira. And I was like, oh, that'd be cool. But I don't want to start capoeira just so that I can have a clientele. I want to start capoeira because I'm interested in the art. And so then jujitsu kept popping up in my life from literally from 2011 all the way to 2019 to the point where like it was such a strong whisper that finally it was like, so are you going to do it or not? <laughs> <laughs> and then in um, 2020, I kind of wrote a list when I was in Spain. Oh yeah. By the way, we ended up spending New Year's in Spain, like right before this whole shebang happened. Well, there you um, go. You said yes. I, we spent new. <laughs> yeah. We, we went to Spain um, I thought it was kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, basically the, the, what, the way we, we ended up going to Spain was he said to me, either we go to Europe together or I'll see you when we come, when I get back. And I said, well, what part of Europe are you looking at? And he said, Spain. I said, oh, yeah, what part of Spain? He said, Madrid. I'm like, cool. They're only $333. So let's take it. <laughs> <laughs> so it might not be about money, but money still does factor in your life. It's a motivator. Well, it was the fact that it was three threes. Oh. I like thought that was really aus auspicious. Yeah. And I was like, why not? <laughs> why not? There you go. And also, uh, it was a really good price. <laughs> that is, that is. Okay, so you, you get into jiu-jitsu. That can be intimidating because yeah. I, I imagine, okay, you're, um, Charles, is that his name? Charles, is Charles? yes. Okay, Charles is yes. a black belt. And yes. so that could be kind of intimidating for you to come on the mat at that point. But yeah, you did it. And then y'all are practicing at home during the yeah. pandemic time. So what does that feel like to be a newbie and come in to somebody's world that's not a newbie? Oh, so it's interesting because we both uh, respect each other's passions a lot. So he loves that I ha the fact that I have my own. Mine is massage work and art. So I'm also a painter. Um, I just, and draw, um, and I like to sculpt, but not many people get to know that part of me unless they come to my home or they're another artist. And I'm like, oh, you want to draw together? <laughs> but that um, has a lot to do with the body too. I mean, if you're sculpting, you're, you're used yeah. to looking at lines, whether they're human lines or something else. So it kind of ties yeah. together. So uh, creativity, movement, uh, visualization, kinesthetics, like that has been a thing for me my entire life from drawing to dancing to singing to myself, but more like dancing. Um, <laughs> um, so going into that was um, him and a few of our mutual friends who are also massage, like he's not a massage therapist, but friends that we have that are massage therapists who do jujitsu. And then seeing him with his passion kind of like put that catalyst as well of like, okay, I've been wanting to do some new hobby 
I might as well see what this is all about. And I remember the first day I entered the gym that I was training at in Gainesville, Florida, I looked at it and I go, oh, this is going to be a journey that's going to really like kick into my ego as in like kind of make it like a phoenix, the process of a phoenix where like it's going to destroy it and then come back and then destroy it and come back, um, which is a tends to be a thing that I t- get into a lot quite often just so I can, I guess, learn more about myself um, with every step that I've taken, whether it was massage work or um, communication courses or um, jujitsu. And so I remember that I started as soon as I got back from Spain in 2020. Charles had no idea. We were in contact when he was traveling Europe. And we ended up meeting up in Boston for Valentine's Day weekend, not because it was Valentine's Day, but it just so happened. It just to be worked Valentine's out. Day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he um, basically he ended up being surprised that I started, and I let him know just so we're on the same page because people are going to ask for the rest of our lives. I did not start this because of you. <laughs> and he was like, "Okay," and I'm like, "No, I'm serious." I am not the girlfriend that started jujitsu because of her boyfriend. Um, Because I have a huge aversion to someone starting something just because of somebody else. Now, if the other person has an influence, that's a difference. But if not, I'll never love it for myself. Right. It's got to be. So him being a black. Yes, exactly. So him being a black belt had never been intimidating exactly for me. Um, But I can say that. Up until about, I don't know, six months in, I I didn't like the hierarchy of the belts. I did not understand it until like getting more into the journey of like, oh, there's a reason why we have this. It's to show progress. It's to show that we've earned some things for ourselves. At least that's the way I see it. Like I remember um, when I ended up earning my stripes, every single one of them I've teared up about. Because I know, oh, I've put effort into this. I've put emotional effort. I've put mental effort. I've put physical effort. I've put time into this. I've put money into this. I've, I mean, it's a spiritual journey, at least for me, me as well. Like, um, so going into it, going into a gym and then the pandemic happening and then me being the one that's like, I'm getting mats. And he was like, no, don't worry. Like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be over soon. Like, I'm like, no, no, no. Our country doesn't do this. Like, maybe other countries do this. But our country doesn't do this. This is not going to be only two weeks. This is not only going to be a month. This is a big, there's something big happening. And these mats are free. So I'm getting the mats. Of course. <laughs> um, and, then, and then he missed training. And I missed learning something new. Because whether it was learning massage work or learning acro yoga or just participating in different activities with people I was missing that a lot and we're both very social butterflies so we were also like trying to find a balance with it being the two of us at home and then learning and training so he missed teaching I miss learning we made a great pair there you go (laughs) Um, you got got to to teach somebody from the start yeah great and so that also got to be kind of like his social experiment with me of like (laughs) how to have someone like every single day. And then for me, how to have another thing to add that would be a constant routine so much that by the time that 
things were kind of like um, opening up in our world, I made sure that my morning had time for jujitsu and my evening had time for jujitsu. So I kind of ended up changing my work schedule so that I wouldn't burnt myself out between massage work because I can be a workaholic if I want to, um, especially with things that I love. But giving too much massage ends up hurting my body. Um, and doing too much jiu-jitsu can hurt my body. So it's a matter of having a balance between the two. And then on top of that, you know, although he has his journey, I still get to have my own. So it's never, especially when we get to meet friends, we like, they get to notice I have my own game separate from his. I have my own style separate from his. Um, I'm not just a clone. I get to still be me. That was definitely intentional with the way he was teaching and the way I was learning. Um, I will say though, like learning from a partner slash teaching a partner is a very special dynamic. Oh yeah. Uh, where we got to learn how to communicate on and off the mats. <laughs> yeah. I imagine there have to be some lines drawn. Yeah. On both ends. And at the same time, like it, it just, to this day, he is my favorite person to corner me when I compete because he knows me so well. Right. Like right. he knows that I will follow his voice. So like there's a countdown that sometimes happens that I need in order to like go. Yeah. Um, or sometimes like telling me to calm down is just not going to do it. So like if he wants me to slow down to stay still because he sees something that I don't, he, he gets to be that, that, that pair of eyes that are, that are important for me and that voice that I can follow faster than anybody else's voice because I'm so used to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so having like see those that. cues definitely helped. Yeah. He can probably mm -hmm. see your facial expressions and know exactly what the thoughts are that, um, or the process or what you're thinking is coming next or so what's your, that, that was interesting that you started talking about, self-care that was a path I wanted to go down because just yeah. just a simple pure massage therapist is hard work and then you're incorporating all these other aspects that are also difficult and can be really hard so how do you self-care um so having some me time, whether it's five minutes or an hour or it's a lot of unwinding. So if I have a day of, let's say, doing a whole bunch of massage work, I definitely make sure that I go and ride my bike um, when I'm back home to kind of like move all of that stuff because I'm moving all day, but my focus is on my person that I'm that's in front of me it's not me so by the end of that shift which is usually four to six hours um I I take some time for myself so if let's say it's a rainy day and Charles picks me up in the car I let him know like I need some new time so like that's either music or silence or I'm trying to think of anything else sometimes it's stretching Sometimes it's a quick meditation. Um, I used to be better at my yoga practice. I haven't been doing that as often as I, I feel like I should, so to speak, or I could. Um, but when I do my Ashtanga 
practice more, it definitely helps my entire body because it's a sequence that works from the head all the way down, from seating positions to balance to inversions. Um, so that's a really good one. And then um, kind of checking in with myself uh, more than anything else because I feel like even someone like myself who tends to be as aware as possible of myself, sometimes I kind of accidentally like check out and don't realize, oh, you need some more water or you need um, better nutrition right now. So it's a matter of checking in, like, do I really need to go to the grocery store right now or can I just have like an hour to myself um, on the couch? Um, as far as like other forms, I'd still go to my chiropractor who used to be my boss. Um, definitely have an appointment when I get back home. Um, I do trade work for massage work. Um, with other friends. So I have a rotation of two or three good people that um, I massage and they massage me. Um, tea time is also nice. Journaling has been one of my favorite things throughout um, even this, this journey. Um, I was feeling a lot of internal like chaos happening when I was in um, Berlin. And I don't know whether I was just sensitive to like my environment or whether it was just me but journaling kind of helped me stay steady so just different options I mean honestly and also because um you know I'm traveling with my partner is a matter of communicating so that's a form of self-care too of like hey um can you please take care of a few things right now because I'm feeling x y and z or sometimes I need to take lead to take care of myself um, so that like I can have a, a balance to things. Oh, I did want to mention something. Um, you're talking about him being a black belt and whether I imagine like it was something along the lines of like, if that had been intimidating for me or not. Yes. Um, so it's never been an intimidation factor. It's, but it definitely was something that, at times came up for me of like feeling like um, I'm not doing this as, as well as I feel like I should. And him telling me like, well, I've been doing this for 15 years. You've been doing this for this amount of time. Right. Um, so it's all part of your journey. And so kind of like that reaffirming um, helped a lot especially because it would remind me of like oh yeah when I first started massage work I never was able to apply as much pressure as I do now so it's all a process um and in the beginning especially because the world started opening up more when we started visiting different gyms I know that at times I would think to myself like I don't want to embarrass you because I don't know how to do this all that well and he's like no, like, this is who you are. Like, it's fine. Or if he were to teach a seminar, I'm like, I don't know what this is. And he's like, that's okay. You can just participate in learning. Because um, some people would look at me and they're like, oh, because you're his girlfriend, you must know. Yeah, you ought to know all of this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but it has helped. Like, it's, it's been nice for the two of us to reflect and see how much I have learned to the extent where, like, this Europe trip, I've been able to help as much as I have. Yeah. Um, and feel um, like I'm able to contribute more, um, whether that's working with the one person that no one on the mat wants to work with or 
not working with anyone in particular and just going to each person one-on-one or participating with someone that's closer to my size because they don't usually get someone uh, of a similar stature, whether it's a man or a woman. Yeah, and that makes mm-hmm. a difference so that they can practice on you, whether you know all the way that they're going to end that move or not. Um, and, and just being yeah. a woman in this traveling, have you seen that to be any different um, than in Florida? Of It's not really a prevalent sport for women, but yet they're there. So have you found the, mm-hmm. the, the ratio to be similar to what we have here? Hmm. That's a great question. Hmm. Okay. So Iceland had a shitload of women. Really? (laughs) There were so many of them. There were so many of them because they specifically have a woman's class. And so from a lot of women who already are in that gym to a lot of the women that were visiting from globe charters, we had, I think 30 women. And so that was amazing. Um, but I'd say it, it can be similar. Um, uh, one of the other reasons why I tend to pair up with people closer to my size is because I remember my first tournament, I realized on that mat in that moment, oh shit, I've never worked with someone close to my size before. Um, and that was a factor that kind of played a part in how my game was going to go because I'm used to either people being smaller than me or people being huge. And so me being at a more like medium size, it was different. And my body structure too, because I tend, I'm very bottom heavy. So to see someone else that's like similar to me, I'm like, what am I going to do? So my next tournament, when that happened, I was more confident. Right. I definitely felt more confident. I was like, oh, you're like me. Okay, I got this. Right. (laughs) The holes that are in a move when you're practicing on someone much larger might not be there. And that's what you're so used to expecting. So yeah, I hear that. Oh yeah, I can like slide right through and like maneuver and they're like, where'd she go? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, But truthfully, it's been similar, like different, a lot of gyms is quite similar. Um, uh, Let me think. But I, I do find that my, my specific, journey in jiu-jitsu is quite special um it kind of like hit me when I talked to one of my friends back home um Beth um at like one of my main um gyms that I train at um which is BJJ Swamp Academy in Gainesville Florida um she and I were having dinner with our partners and a few friends from the gym and she said to me Natasha we need you to go harder with us. I'm like, okay, no. She's like, no, no, you don't understand. You're having training that we will probably never have. You're traveling to as many gyms as possible and being able to have one-on-one training when you want to at home. Um, And on top of that with someone who has so much knowledge, because there's something special of being able to train with a partner in general, but also someone who has um, some experience to offer. Like I'm the one who gets to be creative because I'm like, Oh, what if I do this? And then his, it's like, this is what you can do. Um, and so being able to like blend that at home and then blend that with our travels and then go to as many, meet as many people as possible 
be taught by as many jujitsu uh, instructors as possible. It's a different journey than most people have. Most people are stayed in one gym and don't move from that gym and stay loyal to that gym. And so with me, it's, I have a care, a love for the gym that I go to and that's why I go, but I'm not there just because of loyalty. I'm there because I want to be um, from a different, from a different uh, standpoint. Cause I get to just learn from so many other places that to me, it's like, Oh, it's nice to find that one spot that I really like to go to. So I go there and then I also go to um, go primal where Charles teaches his, his students, like a smaller, uh, more intimate group of students that I've been able to see grow from the beginning, um, which has been really, really sweet. Well, that also can give, put a lot of pressure on you. So that all of a sudden, in what way you have this responsibility to bring back knowledge or bring back and share. And it can be like, can't that kind of feel like maybe that's a chore to the travel and to the introductions and the relationship or maybe not? Well, I don't, I end up not seeing it that way only because like, Hmm. How do I put it? Like I'll move differently, you know, like uh, because of all these um, added splotches of color, so to speak, my stuff will blend differently than theirs does. So I'll probably bring something naturally to the table right? that they're like, oh, what was that? And yeah. then maybe they've been focusing on something that I haven't been able to. And I'm like, oh, can you show me how you did that? So like my friend Beth, she's amazing at competing and I, uh, she does it in Nogi and in Gi. I tend to prefer Nogi more just because Gi has so much friction. But throughout my travels here in Europe, um, I ended up trading massage for a new Gi. And so I messaged her and I'm like, oh, I'm excited. I have the Gi that I've been wanting. I'm excited to come back home and pretty much learn from her. And then she gets to um, naturally learn something new from me just from, just from playing together. Because yeah. that's the thing, like, as competitive as I can be, um, I also love to play more than anything else. So whether it's teaching or whether it's giving massage work, like there's, I was working with some kids the other day. We stayed with, with one of our friends in Eindhoven, um, Netherlands, and they have these two beautiful daughters that we call the Tarzan girls because they love to walk around in just their undies and they're like, they're children, they're, they're babies and they're just walking around being wild little girls and, and um, they found out that I was massaging the mom. So they're like, oh, you're getting a massage. And I could see their eyes. I'm like, do you want a massage? And they're like, yeah. But I also know that kids, generally speaking, can't receive a massage for too long. Yeah. So... Um, it was each of them was 15 minutes and each of them received different work. Like the younger one ended up getting more play. So I would like shake her legs a little bit more and it would make her giggle. And the older one kind of wanted to be more pampered. So I kind of like worked a little bit more on her neck and her hands. And so then both of them ended up giving massage work to their mom. And they're like, but they gave me massage work very different from each other. I'm like, yeah, because they received it very different from each other. That's interesting. So whether it's, um, yeah. <laughs> So whether it's uh, jiu-jitsu or yoga or 
drawing or massage work. I, I love to incorporate play in all of that. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like answering my question is that you bring it back naturally. It's not a forced, you know, oh, here's what I learned. It just comes out on the mat and it comes out in exchange. Yeah. So it's, it's, so I see why there wouldn't be a personal pressure to it because it's just a natural extension of how you communicate on the mat. Um, let me take us down a, a road. Is, is there, are there any obstacles or anything, any boulders in your pathway that you have had to just um, go around through, leave, deal with, get out of the way or ignore? just through life yeah so many so many <laughs> a rocky road huh i'm like um, which which year <laughs> yeah well is there something that you constantly that really has kind of formed you more than anything else or that keeps coming back <sighs> um naturally the word boundaries comes up for me when you ask this question is it like learning how to have boundaries and respectfully communicate about them and respectfully honor them um, has been a journey throughout everything I've done, whether it's personal relationships with friends, partners, family, myself, um, business. It's, um, that's something that like, uh, I know that I'm a giver. I know that I come from a family of givers. I know that I can attract givers and what some people view as takers. So having checking in with myself and having boundaries and respecting those boundaries and, you know, recognizing when I can make them a little like bend a little bit more um, is something that pops up. But there's been, I mean, honestly, like, um, how do I put this? I, yeah, I've, I've definitely have gone through a lot in my life that has led me to be the, what I would view as very strong, independent, and kind woman that I am, because um, there's been times where I wonder if like being soft can get me um, to get hurt. And so I, I choose to view like, what is softness for me? Softness is having um, a sweet tone in my voice, um, a kind heart, um, gentle eyes, like not having like rough eyes or like, like my face is very expressive. So like thinking of that um, and being really strong as in like reminding myself of like, who I am as a person, what I have to offer on this table. Um, like, you know, every once in a while, or actually quite often, um, Charles teases me and says, Natasha, solamente tu, like, there's only you, like, um, there's only one of you. And uh, sol solamente una, 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 like, ah, my tongue is getting tied when I try to repeat the phrase in Spanish, but, um, it just means like along the lines of like, there's only one of you. And he usually says it when I'm like being ridiculous, but he still loves whatever ridiculousness I'm doing. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. And last night it kind of like, 
it, it hit me a little bit more of like, yeah, that's right. There's only one of me. And so just like everyone else on this world that has something to offer, so do I. Um, and then when it comes down to independence, boy, oh boy, man, I've, <laughs> oh man, when I see kids, like I can naturally pinpoint like that in kids. I'm just like, yep, it'll take you far. <laughs> just yeah. be mindful that it's okay to depend on other people every once in a while too. It's okay to receive from other people as well. Um, and, but yeah, there's been a lot in my life. Um, Truthfully, a lot of it came more in my 20s than the majority of my life. Like I came from a family where my parents stayed together my entire life. Um, I've had an amazing relationship with my sibling. Um, I'm really close to my grandparents. I'm still close with family, even though I haven't, like when I went to Colombia, I hadn't seen them in almost 20 years, but it felt like, like I was there the entire time. So yeah. When it comes down to like those interpersonal relationships and intrapersonal relationship, like I'm pretty good at, um, but there have been rough times in my life of where I realized, oh, maybe I didn't need to take this route this way. Maybe I didn't need to learn the hard way of what it's like when people pass my boundaries consistently. Um, maybe I could have left from this situation a little bit sooner. Maybe I could have allowed myself to listen to my gut more or love myself a little bit more to realize that I don't need to go through this type of hardship in order to live, in order to be happy. Um, and truthfully, maybe I should have listened to my parents a little bit more <laughs> when they were like, mommy, are you sure? <laughs> Because um, I remember, like, my, my sibling and I are five, five years apart, and I'm the older one. And I remember, like, a few years ago, they were going through the phase that I did in my early 20s. And my mom was like, I just don't understand. I'm like, well, I would say be patient and let them do what they need to do because they'll come back. And when they do, um, just let go of whatever has happened. Like, I think it's a phase that kind of like generationally we kind of all went through. I know my dad did. I know I did. I know my sibling was kind of going through that, which is like wanting some strong independence away from the family. Um, but then once it's done, it's like, hey, you guys still there? Yeah. I've always been here. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't quite what I was thinking, but maybe we all need to do that too come back and, and be able to embrace what's next because you get pretty strong when you're practicing that independence. Um, you get strong either by becoming broken or yeah. you, you actually do um, make it pretty well, but then you still miss that camaraderie that, that so many in your family or close knit can give you. So that's, that's pretty good. I know your mom enjoyed the fact that you had crossed into the path that you could offer her some comfort. Yeah, I think it was a, I don't know about other people, but I know when I was getting close to 25, I kind of felt like, like an earthquake was about to happen. Like I could feel my ground was about to be shaken. 
And I had already, I was already in my career. So I was already feeling good about that. But I also knew that I wasn't in a relationship that I wasn't for me anymore. Um, and hadn't been for me for a while. And so I could feel like things were about to be sifted, so to speak. And, um, it was, I think a little bit right after my parents had done their final separation. So like my twenties kind of led with a lot of like my parents separating after being together for 24 years and me trying to get used to that. Um, being in a relationship that wasn't all that healthy. Um, but I think it's, it's a weird thing. Like I believe that everything happens for a reason. So although like a piece of me wants to say like, I didn't need to go through that type of hardship. Another piece of me recognizes that if I didn't, I wouldn't be where I am right now. I would, I probably wouldn't have taken as many risks in my life or even the last month and a half. If that, that life experience didn't happen. Um, I think, well, what year was it? In 2018 was my first trip by myself to New York. And so much came up for me, like realizing I lost 12 pounds in five days in New York. Cool. And going from 139 to 189 in the summer of 2014 and being there for a while was a lot on me because I wasn't used to that yeah. and was spoke a lot of what am I doing in my life that's causing me that much stress to, to, to gain 40 to 50 pounds in under four months. And then in New, in New York, losing 12 pounds in five days, like what is the difference between one and the other that has caused me to gain and lose? Yeah. Um, and reflecting, like that's something that like keeps me in mind whenever I'm gaining or losing weight or getting out of that, that um, stable like spot of where I'm at of like, am I, am I getting cues that I'm a little overstressed right now? Um, or, Oh, okay. Your, your weight is maintaining, which means like what you're doing in your life is at balance. Okay. This is a good, good indicator that you're good. Um, but truthfully, I kind of want your question to be more specific because there's just so many things that I, I can say to like different obstacles that have happened. I like what you're saying. Um, what you're saying is that there are so many changes and, and different situations that you have to maneuver. What I like is that you bring so much thought and wisdom to your situations of you might let it happen just for a, a little bit, but then you're going to dive in and figure out your whys and what's. And maybe that's the message message to people in your age group. I, I've often thought that the most difficult age group is not teen, is not childhood. It's that 22 to 29 year old that is either desperately lonely because you don't have those forced friend groups anymore, or they're figuring out relationships that are good or bad and um and figuring out where they belong and and then to have mm -hmm. your family your nuclear family altered that throws you in a spin too so now you're talking exactly what what shows kind of your inner heart 
So what would you say directly to somebody that might be going through some of those same obstacles? What would you tell them? I would say to be honest um, and to let yourself be vulnerable and naked is a phrase that I like to use. Um, like I remember with my family, so I look a lot like my mom, um, whether my hair is longer or even right now, like my face, I look a lot like her but my personality is very similar to my dad. So when my parents were getting through their divorce, I remind my mom of my dad and my <laughs> dad of my mom. Oh, wow. And so that was a tough thing for me because I could empathize with both of them of like, it's hard. I felt like I it was hard to be around me. Um, and so I would let them know, like, no matter what you're going through, like, I know it's hard and it's going to be hard for me and it's going to be hard for my sibling, but just try to be as mindful as possible because it's going to be painful no matter what. And then being honest when things would come up for me, like if, if any of them wanted to say something about the other, I would, and I was not available for it, I would say that I'm not available to listen to this. Um, when it came down to, you know, being in an unhealthy, uh, environment for myself at a, at a very romantic personal relationship and sometimes even platonic relationships it's a matter of asking myself like how does this serve me is this healthy yes or no what can I do about it and own up to that um, because when I would own up to how I was feeling and act on that it made a difference to the point where I remember there was one time where there was someone that, you know, they, they apologized to me about something. And I said, you know what? I recognize like you taking accountability for your actions. And also I'm going to take accountability for recognizing that I let my boundaries get crossed to the point where my emotions were being manipulated and that's on me. So taking accountability for myself is also been a, a huge factor of recognizing like, okay, this person feels like they've wronged me, but I also, I feel it's important for me to take accountability of how did I, how did I get myself in this mess? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, something else that uh, because of this pandemic, as soon as the pandemic happened, as soon as, as soon as we had word of it in the U.S. Um, and it was affecting the lives in Florida, my life in Florida, my partner and I were in, in the same household. And so I immediately got on birth control and that was a journey in itself. So that's something that I think is also important to talk about with people going through hormonal changes. Um, specifically, I can only speak on, on my experience with birth control was like figuring out which one, figuring out, because before years I've been used to just my normal cycle. So I could, I could tell, Oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be bleeding in a few days or, Oh, I'm probably ovulating right now. Like I didn't have to keep track on an, on a, on an app as much, but being on birth control, I use my app so much more of like recognizing my symptoms of my emotions, recognizing what time I was going through a whirlwind of chaos internally. Um, and 
you know, making an agreement with my partner of like, I'm only going to be on this thing for one year and we'll see how this goes. And if this starts being too much of a stress factor for our relationship, I'm, I'm going to have to get off of it because um, it's not worth the risk for me to ruin a beautiful dynamic because of birth control. We can find other, other uh, specifically the pill. We can find other methods. Right. Um, and so that's another thing that I would, I feel strongly about is being able to communicate about that because that affected my personal relationship within um, him and I, my relationship with myself, because there'd be times where I felt crazy and I was like, oh my God, is this the real me? Yeah. <laughs> and recognize it, no, it's not. Um, and then also this affected sometimes when I go to work, I would be crying and, you know, just that was one of the most like crazy experiences for me because I'm not used to being that vulnerable in, in front of my people, letting them know things right now, my hormones are out of whack because of this pill. Um, but just give me a second and I can honestly be 100% present with you as much as, and they were there, you know, they were there. The fact got off, it was the best choice ever. (laughs) Well, you know, what's fascinating to me is Um, this goes, this is going back into that self care that we talked about a little bit. Um, our connection's getting a little rough. I'm not sure why. Um, I can see you and I can hear you well. Okay. Good. Yeah, I think so. Um, but talking about being accountable to others and then being accountable to yourself and in, in our country, in our society, we don't do a lot of open communication. Um, we don't do a lot of talking about our bodies and our health and our birth control and, and all of the hormones that we deal with and, and how to, make us the most healthy that we can be. But if you ever enter into a problem and you have to start a physical problem and you have to start breaking it down and figuring out every element from what you consume to your sleep, to your stress levels, to what's external, to what's internal, we start doing that. We start breaking it down and analyzing. Wouldn't it be better if we did this to begin with? And, and we knew because you're having to really do homework on birth control because we don't talk about it. So you've got to start learning when you're in the midst of a need. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I feel like specifically um, medicine that is directed to the information about um, reproducing and um, how my female body works is not something that's easily given. Um, and I know like a lot of it was definitely taught more from the home um, and checking in with, I mean, I spoke to nurses. I spoke to um, nurses that were clients, by the way, not like going to the, to a nurse. Um, I did go to an OBG to ask them more questions and everything else talking to so many friends like and almost everyone across the board would agree that the pill was the worst thing ever um and that although like condoms is a risk it's 
better than having your hormones shifted as much as they are. Um, but I, I've honestly, like you were also talking about all of these things and immediately like what pops up for me is this is preventative medicine. Preventative medicine Definitely. is being able to talk to, about these things and learn about these things as well. Like um, being able to learn directly from, for in my case, like from an OBG or my acupuncturist because um, my acupuncturist was definitely there for me. Um, I think with, was it the first, either my first or my second uh, birth control? Cause I, I, it, was, it was the pill, but I would change to a different one after like, I think three months of it not working. Yeah. I would go to something else. So I changed three times. Um, and my acupuncturist definitely helped out with a lot of that. Um, you know, I did a, I did a lot of self-care around that time. And because of how I was feeling with um, birth control, jujitsu ended up being such a great um, thing to help me with that. So my journey with jujitsu was very emotional and very spiritual at home um, because because I got to do it one-on-one and learn one-on-one, a lot of the stuff that would come up for me was private at home with someone I trusted. Um, I've had past traumas as a person, um, whether that was emotional or physical traumas that would come up for me with jujitsu. Like having someone on Mount is not always that much fun (laughs) at all. And having someone behind me does not feel right. And having someone's body weight and me learning how to get out of that does not feel good. Um, But being able to like push mentally and not break was something that I thought, I never even thought about how proud and how happy I would feel of like making sure that I'm not crossing that boundary for me, but I'm able to at least, you know, reach that threshold that would be beneficial to me. Um, cause there's plenty of times that I broke down crying, whether it was on the mats at home or sometimes even when we started going to a gym or training in our friend's garage where, uh, all I needed was some water. You know, I didn't need a hug or any of that stuff. All I needed was some water and for me to just catch my breath. Um, because I know there's a lot of people that they don't get comfortable. They don't, they're not comfortable with the idea of doing this of like, having people sweaty on you or having different body types with you or having different genders with you. But I think it's something that because I have the background of, of touch with the human body and not viewing it as unsafe, like I'm able to view touch with the human body as safe. It allowed that journey to be easier. And then when it came down to going, you know, since that journey helped me with birth control, going back to right before birth control, I, I remember telling Charles, I'm like, oh, I'll be fine with birth control. I know myself really well. I've been on this journey of paying attention to when triggers come up. Like I'll be able to, um, I've taken communication courses and nonviolent communication. I'll be fine. He's like, okay. I'm like, I've been on birth control before and I'm pretty sure it wasn't the hormones. I'm pretty sure it was just my environment. And like literally within the first week at 6 p.m., I started crying. He was just like, what is going on? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it was but the I hormones. think I remember like, 
Yeah, like I remember by day two or three, we were like, wait a second. I think after a certain amount of hours, this thing is affecting you. Because I would take it in the morning. Yeah. By 6.30 to 7.30, I would just start all of a sudden being super highly emotional. And what was interesting was that the week of my actual menstruation, I was like a fucking angel. I felt normal. Life was great. Like I was amazing. And it's like... So we had a little bit of a glitch. Um, we, we actually talked about an hour and a half. And so our, our time ran out. And as it ran out, uh, I discovered that it wasn't uploading and saving like it was supposed to. So we spent uh, a few hours trying to figure that out. And now we are into the night rejoining. And, um, and it's kind of interesting because Natasha is six or seven hours ahead of me and it oh, is yeah. <laughs> 7 37 p.m my time so it makes it what two uh, 2 30 yeah so, a.m <laughs> so she's in the middle of her morning her good sleep but we had to to come back natasha and i stopped at a point where we were talking about very vulnerable subjects and um, very personal and talking about um, just, just vulnerabilities and learning, learning your body and learning your hormones and the rhythm of your body. And um, so we want to go back to that and kind of try and pick up where we were. And um, I think we were talking, Natasha, about you exploring birth control and really pulling different people into your world to help teach you. And then you experimenting to see what worked for you, but yet communication was core to that. So yes. can you jump in? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think I felt the rhythm was within like remembering um, how, when I would start actually menstruating, how it would feel more human and then um, really seeing the juxtaposition of how like my own natural uh, hormones, because during the week of menstruating, I would not be taking any of the pill. Um, so I felt like I was, I was coming back to my own personal homeostasis. And then um, right when everything happened, I had like remembered how, hmm, I think it was April, of this year, because um, April of 2020 is when I decided to get on the pill or when I actually started on the pill. But I believe around April of this year, exactly one year later, um, give or take, I didn't take the pill for nine days. So like I had my regular cycle and then I decided to not jump onto the pill right away. And it was the best vacation I've ever had. And mind you, like, I've traveled to many countries and many states and many cities and not being on the pill for nine days and finding that to be the best vacation said like, you know, gave me big alarms of like, okay, it's time to get off of this. It's time to um, communicate about this again. And my partner saying, yes, I've been wanting you to get off of this because I love you and you're not you while you're on this. And I think it's best for your own mental health and emotional health 
and um, to be off of it. And then, you know, me acknowledging that my mental health and my emotional health affects not just me, but him, him and our dynamic. So being on the same page that we were to not, um, I was not going to be on the pill anymore and finding different options, going to the OBG, um, the OBG that I ended up getting, um, uh, is really remarkable. Uh, actually all of them, at uh, the comprehensive women's clinic in Gainesville, Florida, um, are just very supportive of, of being informative. And so I remember she actually have the paper back at home, but she gave me like a chart and she broke it down in four of like, here's these type of uh, birth control options. Here are these, here are these, here are these, like which ones have X hormone, um, which one have X and Y, which one have Y hormone and which ones don't at all. And what are the, you know, the consequences of each one and me just asking a whole bunch of questions like, does this one make me gain weight? Does this one make me lose weight? Does this one affect my skin? How bad does this one affect um, people's emotional state? Because for me, I don't have a lot of the physical uh, side effects. I have a lot of the emotional and mental side effects. And it's just, it's interesting, like adding one little drop of a different hormone in my whole system goes bonkers. And it's not literally yeah. one little drop. Like I've thought to myself, yeah. like, well, you know, um, well, one of the things that I want to ask though, is that, and I want to come right back to your thoughts. So hang yeah. on to it. We don't think about this. We don't know this. We don't even, I mean, it's just, you take it and, and we don't ask questions and we don't, we just think, well, everybody's like this. So I guess that just is. So I, I, yeah. just, I think we do a, a disservice by not having a conversation. Well, for me, thankfully, and I will say very thankfully to my dynamic with my mom, I've been able to get as much information as possible from her life experience um, and her being open to sharing that with me. So one of the things was... Um, in the very beginning of me choosing to be on the pill, I decided to ask her her experience with being on the pill because I knew that my sibling was conceived with her being on the pill in 1998, um, or rather in 1997. My sibling was born in 1998. <laughs> so, and knowing because of that experience, not take antibiotics while being on the pill. Um, that I've known since I was like 15, give or take. It's like, oh, yeah, Steph was conceived this way. When you get on the pill, don't do that. Um, and then. But we love uh, you, Steph, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're like super grateful. Like, <laughs> I just, I don't want to do that. <laughs> um, right. So right. then, then uh, what's it called? Uh, the second option was, that I thought about was, um, God, I can't remember the name of it. I was trying to remember it earlier when I, when I was talking to um, my friend here, because she actually was listening to me doing the interview. And so as soon as Connection had its glitch, she and I ended up having a communication of how her here, who has been, I believe, at least born, but definitely raised in Netherlands, did not have any information about birth control either and had been on it for oh, wow. over... God, almost 20 years on birth control. 
like as soon as they're they were around 15 they they got on it and this is the last four months is their first time like really having like a relationship with their cycle and how they they were asking me like how long did it take for my cycle to get back to normal and I said well keep in mind I was only on the pill for a year so how my body reacts to it's going to be different than yours and something I've thought about numerous times is how um what's it called uh you know how they check like blood pressure for different medicines or they'll check like your you know when you're diabetic how they check your blood to make sure like what type of yeah. medicine so you, you actually like need with diets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so i've thought numerous times and i've got to actually look into it if anyone's actually doing it but how we could end up doing hormonal tests to see like which one are you how much are you actually lacking in to cause you to be infertile for x amount of time because the thing is the history behind birth control was originated um, by women from the US and they it was two women who collaborated with a doctor and they were not allowed to experiment this drug in the US with humans and so they went to Puerto Rico and had horrible side effects for a lot of people to the extent where some people it was death other people was just completely infertile and other people ended up having um, like being able to conceive, but have like children with side effects. So the history behind birth control is quite interesting. Um, it's not great. Another, no, it's, it's horrible. And um, like what some people don't know is the, God, I, I, again, back to, I can't remember the name of it, but it's the one that you implant a lot of women have been getting it and a lot the of women IUD? have been taking it out. The IUD, thank you. Yeah. So the IUD can cause, um, okay, back to it's like 2.30. So names for things are like out the window. But basically <laughs> it's when you can have, it's, all right. it's, it's, a, it's, it's a pregnancy that's pretty much like when it's stuck in the tube. It, Ectopic. Yes, endotopic uh, pregnancy. So um, if you have the thing in there, um, you can potentially have endotopic pregnancy. And if you have an endotopic pregnancy and you don't catch it in time, it can end up bursting and causing you to go to the emergency um, room, which I had heard from someone close to me. And so that immediately was like, ding, 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 don't do that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Especially because I haven't had kids yet. So, you know, yeah. and of course, um, like that's one of the first thoughts that pops up. But that second part is I wouldn't want to go to the emergency room for something like that. Like in the end, I would prefer to just be responsible with condoms and pay attention to my cycle and um you know in in my life choices with my partner we're on the same page that we want to have kids together we've just been mindful of you know the last year and change almost two years of you know 
not doing that during the, these crazy times. Um, yeah. So, well, and you know, the thing is when we go back and, and talk about the accountability to ourselves and doing mm-hmm. your homework and you can hear stories and you can see, but knowing your own body and knowing how you react. And if you are that sensitive to hormones, then controlling them could have long-term effects to you, not just short-term. So, mm-hmm. um, so I applaud you for looking into that. Um, but when you are also an athlete, um, one of the things that, that I've heard some jujitsu coach coaches talk about is that if a woman is competing or is, you know, really, really working hard, then her body needs way more during the menstruation time. And so it's not that they can just tell, Oh, she's, she's on her period this month. And it's, I mean, this week and it's affecting her psyche. No, it's affecting her physically. So Mm -hmm. have you found that in your, in your journey over the last year of, um, of introducing a new sport to you? So wait, just to clarify, so adding uh, birth control and a sport, if I can feel it, like when you say like uh, women have needed more, do you mean like they needed, like some coaches thought they, that they, the women needed to be on birth control? No, 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 no. I'm sorry. They need more calories. They need more oh. rest. They need more, more of other things than yeah. a guy. A guy never has that. He's if he goes on a diet and he has a caloric intake, it doesn't fluctuate his needs. They are just there. But mm. the female, hers kind of go with her cycle of needing more calories to keep up. If you're doing the exercise at the same time, yeah. then yeah. then you know it, it it goes back to being a whole whole being, not just part of a being. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm let me think. Um it's just so interesting because like I, I think I'm one of those people that just pays attention to so many different things about myself. So yeah. And, and uh, birth control definitely got me more sensitive to paying attention to little things, little triggers of like, Oh, my tone's getting edgy. Oh, I must be hungry because sometimes my body's not telling me that I'm hungry because my mind is saying, go, go, go with whatever task is in front of me. Um, but as far as like needing different things during my cycle while being an athlete, um, it's an interesting perspective. Like, cause before doing jujitsu, I was already cycling a lot, not racing by the way, but cycling. <laughs> <laughs> um, Cause when I came back from India in 2019, I had a car accident and totaled my Jeep and immediately I jumped on getting a bicycle, which I had not ridden for 15 years. So like that was oh, wow. a lot of calorie loss immediately. Um, but introducing a sport like this though, that's an immediately adrenaline dump. Cause that's what happens. It's like you get an adrenaline high from the movement, the, 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 at least for me, the mental um, solving of things, the sometimes um, 
in the beginning of my jujitsu, I would, I would do it with my eyes closed. Nowadays I have my eyes open and that's actually more of a challenge for me to keep them open than to keep them closed. Um, mm. But to answer your question a little more clearly, I'd say yes at times. So like, I know for my body, I start craving more iron right when I'm getting ready to menstruate. And due to the, the loss of calories, I get very like hangry as soon as I'm done training. <laughs> like I have to have a snack, um, especially if it's our evening ones or even our morning ones. Like, cause Charles and I are very social beings. So we'll train, we'll do the class, we'll do the rolling afterwards. And then we're chatting with people, whether it's chatting about life or chatting about jujitsu or, you know, going over different things, whether it's him teaching someone something or even myself nowadays teaching people different things. Um, and then as soon as I'm feeling that hunger, I kind of have that cue where I start like rubbing my tummy, like when he's talking to someone, letting him know, like, I'm hungry, we got to go because <laughs> hangry is coming very soon. Because in the very beginning, I would like, I, and, you know, a lot of my training was at home and I'd be so hungry. I'm like, I don't understand why I'm so hungry. Charles is like, well, you're losing a lot of calories. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But right. I still don't understand why I'm so hungry. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's funny. But uh, I was thinking about like even competitions, like at times there's certain meals that I, I, I really, I need to have either right before or right after. Yeah. Well, you talked about the acupuncturist helping you. What, what, how does that help? I don't know um, that world. So how does yeah. that, how can somebody look into that? What did it, what did it exactly do for you? Okay. Um, so because of my background in massage therapy, um, and looking at Ayurvedic medicine and then Thai massage, um, I kind of already had an idea about, um, how the holistic aspect of, um, medicine works. So for me, and it wasn't a huge introduction, um, but um, my practitioner, like the, our first meeting together was a, a lot of questions. She had a, a lot of questions from like my sleeping habits to do I get headaches? If so, what side of my head I get the headaches? What part of my head? Um, if I get, if there's any differentiation between my eyes, like all these type of questions. And the way I I prefer to be as a practitioner and as a um, client is to have as much information as possible. So for me, I had no problem going as personal as, as humanly possible with her um, of anything I could think of from my eating habits to my exercise, to my sex life, to my emotional state, to, um, because I went there for my, for the pill, um, like any type of emotions that were coming up for me with the pill, because I knew like parts of me had some resentment for taking the pill. Um, because I desperately wish there was a button inside that says not pregnant for X amount of time. 
and <laughs> that'd be great <laughs> and then i can unclick it once i'm ready you know yeah um going i mean like i i allowed myself to be as vulnerable with everything as humanly possible with her just so that we wouldn't miss anything um and she was an interest i mean she's such a sweetheart she's so patient and she really listens to everything and um, does great reflective listening so one of the other things that i found quite intriguing because i've never experienced it before she wanted to see my tongue and she could based on her um education she could pretty much look at my tongue for like different health factors that she might need um kind of like um how how some doctors palpate the tummy to like right. see how everything's going um fun fact massage therapists can also do that <laughs> we can help with bowel yeah. systems <laughs> oh wow yeah, yeah i knew so anyone you you pretty much can figure out where problems start and maybe not even know ex the exact problem, but know that the problem area is pinpointed. So. Yeah. Like I've had some people that have had um, problems with their bowels. And so they've come to me and I end up working on their tummy and kind of help um, move the cycle, the digestive system. Anyway. So going back to my oh. acupuncturist, um, she, uh, my first time going there, I didn't feel any of the needles and um, I was feeling a lot on my left ovary at the time. So she ended up also adding like, um, I forgot what it's called at the moment, but basically like this heated thing that I, I can't remember at the time at right now. And I wish I did like everything that's medical related for some reason is not at my, the tip of my tongue, it, but it's um, off at this time of night. Yeah. But she put it on and it really helped a lot. Um, and yeah, like I think she would have, like I asked for her to stay around, but I also could feel like, um, if anything, she could have left me to like, to kind of just meditate with it all. Um, the second time I went was months later and I was going there for, was it the birth control again? I think I was getting off of the birth control. I don't remember the exact reason why I went there the second time. All I know is that that was a time that I ended up feeling something. Oh yeah. I just had to do with my human like woman body. That's what it was. I went, I went there for, for like whatever my system was going through. Um, and I remember that day I ended up feeling like a sharpness of one of the needles on my, on the arch of my left foot. And she's like, Oh, that's funny. Cause that's what we're treating right now. Um, it's interesting. Like she was even surprised of how sensitive I was to some of the things. Um, but like overall, I mean, it's a really pleasant experience. I definitely felt exhausted after receiving it. Like I, I needed to, I felt like I got a massage. I felt like I needed to take some time for myself and rest at home. Um, yeah. 
Well, what does that do for birth control? How does it how does it relate to is it just to the birth control? Sorting out the hormones or um yeah, it works it works with your chi. It works with the energy body. So it and your nervous system. So it helps to regulate your your energy body and your physical body. By energy body, I mean your chi. And by the physical body, I mean your nerves. Um, so it, it kind of helps to like create it, create it like a balance to kind of bring it back. It's kind of like when you're, you know, your body's aching or you're tired of the day and you need some sleep. It's, it's what it's doing is it's sending signals to your body to release tension in those areas. Again, relating yeah. it back to massage work is the easiest way. I was going to say that. It's like, yeah. Yeah. It sounds like they are very similar. Um, oh yeah, in some of their technique. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know what it is about it, but I definitely get tired afterwards. Like I knew for the first one that I was not going to have any obligations for the rest of my day. Um, and the second time I did it, I made sure I wouldn't have a, any obligations until hours later, just because it's i don't know it takes a little bit out of me but for some people it energizes them so you know yeah it just depends on the on each body um and what it does for them yeah and probably the um how deep and far you go into it so like yes. if you know you're just touching the surface then you know maybe not quite as much but the more in depth you go so you you seem to allow yourself to go into vulnerable places, yeah. both with your <laughs> mindset and, and physically. Is that something mm -hmm. that you do intentionally? Or have you just seen the benefits to, to being vulnerable and then coming out on the other side? Both. Um, sometimes when I'm uncomfortable and it doesn't feel like it's risk. Um, and by that, I mean like, hmm. It's a good example. Like there's been so many examples with this trip alone. Like I did the math and it's actually been almost a month and a half of me being gone. Um, wow. And it's been such a journey. Like we've slept on trains and buses and airplanes and hostels and friends, living rooms and spare rooms. And um yeah, it's allowing myself to dive into like living essentially. So um, I've always been someone who's aware of their surroundings a lot and trying to kind of be aware of what I'm feeling. And one of the reasons for that is because um, Truthfully, my mom kind of emphasized when I was a kid that it's okay to cry. Like crying is still a very powerful tool because it allows you to feel. And so allowing myself to feel as many as emotions as I do, it kind of allows me to also recognize when and how and why to do certain things. Um, so a lot of it tends to be 
very unconscious, kind of like this is the way I am. But when things start rising up for me, it's a it's a choice of like, is this worth it? Is this is this choice worth the whatever is on the other side of it? Um, generally speaking, yes. So, like um, my first, so my trip to India in 2019, I remember arriving there. And thinking to myself, oh, shit, I'm all the way over here right now. And um, I'm with a group of people that have a different um, religious background than I do. And I don't want to feel like a pressure for me to participate in anything that I don't want to participate in. And then I decided to have a talk with myself. I'm like, okay, you never know when you're going to be here ever again. So you might as well allow yourself to, to be as present with as much that comes up for you or that as much that comes up for me. And so that allowed me to allow myself to observe more than just, you know, and be okay with that. Like if people were participating in chanting and I did not want to participate in that, I allowed myself to be okay with that. And that if anyone had any form of judgment, that had nothing to do with me. That's their own life experience. And to just allow myself to see um, what's around me. And that plus a few other things have allowed me to like, dive a little bit more into making choices that I know not many people would. Um, another one is um, my grandfather had an accident back in 2010 that left him um, uh, quadriplegic, so paralyzed from the neck down. And then he had um, some brain surgery that allowed him to be paraplegic. So being paralyzed from pretty much the hips down so like he can still somewhat use his hands um and move his arms slightly and that life experience of his allowed me to really appreciate movement um whether it's oh, dancing because okay. i used to dance a lot with him so whether it's walking like when people are like oh this is such a long walk i'm like at least you can walk. And I, I don't say that to them, but that's something I think to myself is in like, your head in college. This happened right before. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely in my headspace is like when I was in college or even like um, throughout this trip, whenever we're walking for a long time, because we, we travel in backpacks. Um, so we're not, not backpacking Europe, but I guess we are. Because <laughs> um, we each have yeah. like two yeah. backpacks. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's easier and, to travel that way. Get on a oh, train, yeah. get off a train. Walk. Yes, um, definitely. Sometimes run. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, running for our flight uh, to catch from Berlin to Amsterdam was quite an interesting moment. Um, like I stopped one of the guys in the airport and was like, can you please give us a ride from this point to that point? He's like, this is the furthest I can get you. I'm like, I'll take it. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, you know, even carrying those heavy backpacks sometimes, um, 
it's a matter of like thinking to myself, I have this opportunity and same thing with other things that like, you know, it kind of makes like your tummy flutter, your heart, like, um, stop for a second. And, and, but in the end, like that choice is worth it. And learning, learning from it has always been beneficial to me. So, um, you know, I had no idea what was going to happen when I left the chiropractor's office. Like that was like a family to me. I didn't know if they were going to be upset with me. I didn't know if they were going to be upset. The fact that, you know, their clients were more than likely going to want to see me and um, being frank with them of letting them know, like, there's a chance that some of your patients that see you for chiropractic care are going to find me in town and want to see me. And, you know, that's, that's the beauty about free will is that people will do that, but they were super happy for me. Like I, and it's not that I was surprised. It's just because of them in particular, but just in life, like not everyone's that supportive. Um, And, um, even uh, going to Spain, I was going to Spain with um, a man that I knew for less than two months and trusting that us being, um, you know, raw with one another about our emotions was going to be beneficial to us. And, you know, allowing myself to risk the feelings of my feelings being built up as he traveled around Europe for the next six weeks. And I came back after two weeks of Spain, going back to Florida to start my private practice all by myself. So it's all of these choices. That's like, I don't know. It's kind of like a, a little guide in my, in my being that says, this is worth it. And Mm -hmm. trusting that feeling and, and learning, learning from it, whether it's the heartache or whether it's the fruits of my labor, so to speak. Yeah. So um, allowing myself to be in vulnerable places, I think has taught me that it's allowed me to live a lot. Um, And living in fear tends to stop me from growing and considering that I like to grow um, and I like to see what's on the other side of my changes. I tend to lean towards that a little bit more. Yeah, I like it. What would you tell 80 year old Natasha? Oh, girl, you live so well. <laughs> I, like that. I like that. Yeah, she uh... right? <laughs> Yeah, she's like, oh, she, um, Good God. I, it's so sweet to ask that question because um, um, that literally gives me a flashback of being in college. And one of my friends had asked me, where do you see yourself five years from now? And I was 18. So when I was 23, I like reflect on, on that thought. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so happy. I'm not doing what I thought I was going to do when I was 18. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with my life choices. Um, yeah, I would definitely have great grandbabies by that point. <sighs> um, and yeah, you would have figured out the birth control. Oh yeah, 
we have an idea of when we want to start having babies, which we're both excited about. Um, and I'm pretty sure, like, I don't know, my, our families are pretty, pretty sure they're not surprised of when, whenever that time arrives. Both our families love us, so that's always really, really good. Um, what yeah, 88-year-old self would say to me, yeah, you lived a good life, and there's so much more still, because my last great-grandmother, um, she recently passed away this year. Um, I got, I'm fortunate enough to have met all of my great-grandmothers. Um, um, she... She passed away, I think she was 94. Her birthday was actually um, this month, this week, last week, last week. Yeah. And she was still dancing and cooking and having at least one beer with the rest of the family. So I aspire to be able to do that. Um, Definitely have to eat a little bit better because I will say this is the second time in Europe the food here does better with me than in America. And yeah, my girls say that. Yeah. Like my I girls have, say that um, they, they did a lot of travel and figured out that the um, less preservatives, clean eating, it just was more prevalent um, outside of our country. It's crazy. Cause like, I trade um, massage work with the farmers um, back in Gainesville every once in a while. And yeah, the produce is just so different than what you get in the store, even though what you get in the store is so much more convenient. Oh yeah, um, And even wine, wine in Europe, it does so much better with my skin. So I have allergic contact dermatitis. Um, speaking about obstacles before, that was quite an obstacle to yeah. be a massage therapist with skin that gets irritated by other things. Um, Everything so you confused. use to massage? Yeah, at one point. So I found um, a really great shea butter um, sold by um, a local family in Gainesville who get their their stuff from their family in, I believe... I want to say Nigeria. Um, and that shea butter is just so good to my skin. But um, yeah, the wine here I can actually have. And um, when I had COVID, my taste buds ended up changing. So I'm one of those people that I think my taste buds will come back to normal in like two to three years is this what studies have shown based on other viruses that affect the these type of nerves so yeah in europe i have had great luck with food and so one of the first things that stopped that i could not taste that i mentioned earlier was peanut butter when my taste buds started coming back peanut butter, yeah. peanut butter tasted disgusting and this morning our friend made this sounds strange but it's really good it's toast with peanut butter and avocado with salt and pepper. And it sounds really fucking weird, but I promise you it's actually really good. It's, okay. it's, 
it's really good. Like if, if, if it's true that people like, what is it? Peanut butter with, with pickles. I'm pretty sure someone in America will try this one. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> they will. I try to end like, I didn't even think about it. I was eating and I was like, oh, this is good. And then all of a sudden I looked down and I'm like, oh my God. Oh, it's I've just had butter. peanut butter for the first time in 10 months. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that, um, you know, you, you go back and a thread that seems to just go through you is you're going to try anything. You're going to live life experiences you're not even going to say, oh, no, I can't do the peanut butter because 10 months ago it, you know, didn't settle well. And that just seems to be how you live is you'll take <laughs> something and you keep going through. So that's pretty inspiring. We have gone all over all kinds of topics. Is there anything that we haven't touched that you want to make sure we do touch on before we close out? Hmm. Well, if it hasn't been clear, I'm definitely a romantic at heart. So like I romanticize um, life. Like I tend to forget that I do that. So kind of sharing this out loud helps me because later on when I get to journal, I'll remind myself that too is I, um, you know, I, I definitely romanticize life, I think, a little bit more than I even notice it at times or other people in general can, can notice it at times. So, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of advice that I used to give to my friends when they would talk about someone that just um, they felt like was going to change their lives for the, for the rest of their lives, whether it was temporary or forever, I would say, well, go for it. Like, I remember having a friend in and from high school who fell in love with someone in college who was from Germany. And I was like, well, then go, go visit her. And taking that advice over 10 years later, when Charles asked me to go to New Year's with him, I'm like, well, just go, go with him. Just go <laughs> See what yeah. happens. Um, yeah. Meet him up in Boston when he comes back to the US, see what happens go on that road trip from because I went to New York when he was doing a tour from on the East Coast from Florida to New York with his friend. And I went to New York during that time. And I said to him, well, why don't we do a road trip from New York to Florida, since you're driving back alone. And, you know, allowing myself to romanticize the idea of of like what can happen we have no idea we just get to learn about one another and see what happens um and all those different choices that i've made that might have been you know heartbreaking at one point but still had its benefits led me to making these life decisions now like i have a better relationship with my parents by seeing them as humans versus like you should be a better human because you're my parents to having more of understanding of my sibling because I'm older and realize, Oh yeah, I may not be having the exact path that you're having, but I can, I can empathize a little bit better. 
um, mm-hmm. or like, you know, um, recognizing what are my patterns in relationships, in my romantic relationships and in my friendship relationships. Like, you know, one of the biggest things that I wanted in my next partner before, like, I even wrote it down was, I wrote a, a list of like, and this is something that I think is important for everyone is to reflect with themselves because I didn't realize how important it was until I did it is what are my foundations and what are my, my values? And then from there, I wrote a list of everything I wanted in a partner and immediately started doing yeah. those things for myself. Cause I remember oh, writing good. that list and yeah, I remember calling my, one of my best friends about it. And I was like, Oh, I wrote this down and I started like my hand just kept going. And I, you know, kind of like when you draw and you just keep moving, you don't even know where it's going. You just keep doing it. And um, I told her about how I wrote a list of everything I would want in a partner. And she's like, great, now do it for yourself. I'm like, I already am. I'm taking myself on dates. And I'm, you know, if I want to go on a bike ride, that's what I'm doing. Or if I want to go to New York, I'm, you know, taking that flight over there. Um, if I want to start a new hobby, a new class, like all those different things. So that by the time I had a partner in my life, it's like, so who are you, Natasha? What do you like to do? And then I already have all of these things. Or like, you know, him and I just so happened to travel around the world separately, um, him in many more countries than me. And the last thing we would have both thought was that we were going to find someone literally in our own backyard. (laughs) Yeah, Um, that's funny. But yeah. yeah, the idea that you go ahead, I mean, we're so often making a list of what we want somebody else to be and do, but then to go ahead and embrace, well, if I want that out of you, then surely that's what my partner is going to want out of me or else we wouldn't yeah. really mesh. But sometimes I don't think that we connect that. And that's, that's a brilliant way to look at it. I like that. Yeah. Something as simple as like, I want someone to love my cooking. And I want someone to also know how to cook and share their love of cooking with me. <laughs> right, right. Meat in the kitchen. Well, we have. You don't want to really... cook for someone that don't like your food. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Um, this has been fabulous. And we could go on forever and ever. And I, I do think that we have some podcasts coming in our future because it. Um, I think you have so many insights. And, um, and I, so I want to talk again, but, um, but I I won't, I have a a question for you. If you had one superpower and it, it could be anything and you can use it personally and professionally, but you'll only have it for 24 hours. What would that superpower be? Why would you choose it? And how would you use it? Oh man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, teleportation has always been my thing, but I don't know. I almost feel selfish to think that right now, to be honest with you. Um, Cause I would teleport. I would teleport my partner and I everywhere. Like we're like, okay, like we can just, and we don't need a whole day or a whole month in one single location. We can just be there for a few hours. Um, I could take my mom somewhere randomly or my dad somewhere, or my si- sibling. Um, well, another thing is like, uh, 
I don't know. I just, I worry so much about all of these people who are so afraid of living right now because of this virus. And it saddens me because, um, you know, some people have, especially those who, I don't know, it's gotten to the point where some people are just afraid of stepping out of their door. And that sucks bad. Um, and uh, so that's like the less selfish part of me. That's like, man, if only I can like, I don't know. It, I wouldn't say like take this virus away, but I would say like help ease people from this fear that they're living through right now because there's a whole bunch of social pressure um, for different things uh, as an individual and as a group and a lot of political things that are starting to happen. Like the whole thing's a little messy, but teleportation has always been one of my favorite superpowers. <laughs> and I would love to do that. Nightcrawler was good at doing that from Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Well, this is great. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Um, well, if it's professionally, they can find me through my Instagram account called Touch del Sol. So it's touch and then D-E-L-S-O-L. Because fun fact, my hands are very, very warm when I massage. And so I decided to call my business Touch from the Sun, but kind of mix it with Spanglish because of my roots. Um, I'm pretty good at also still Instagram, um, finding me through my first and last name. Um, and I think those are the two of the best ways to get a hold of me for now. <laughs> okay. Um, it broke up just a little bit on explaining your um, business name. So explain that yeah. one more time. Oh yeah. So my hands, um, they get really warm when I work on people to the point where like people think that my shea butter is like a warming agent. Um, so I decided to mix uh, my name, uh, my business name as touch third sol, which means touch from the sun and some mixture of Spanglish because of my, um, the two primary languages that I have, which is Spanish and English. And uh, yeah, the only other person I've ever met that has as warm hands as mine is my sibling. Like our hands get really hot. <laughs> wow, that is unusual. So um, very cool, very cool to mix that into the name. It Again, it becomes so personal. And I think that everything about you is so personal and so intimate and vulnerable that it it encourages those that you come in contact with to also open up and be vulnerable. So um, I think that's a gift, but um, it's been a joy. Thank you. Thank you. It's been an honor. I really appreciate it. This is my first time being on someone's podcast. So this has been exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely been a long day, hasn't it? Yeah, uh, it was. Uh, well, thank you. Beat of my own drum. I got my pop.
pockets full of dreams and they're busting at the seams going boom 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 to my own song find stacked keys podcast on spotify soundcloud itunes or anywhere you get your favorite podcast listen you'll laugh out loud cry a little and find yourself encouraged join us for casual conversation that leads itself based on where we take it from family to philosophy to work to meal prep toward beautifully surviving life all i gotta do is count one two three to my own drum whatever you